Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him on a life-transforming journey. And now, here's Pastor Lorian to introduce today's sermon. Good morning and welcome back. So glad you've chosen to spend time with us in the Word. You know, there are times in our lives when we may treat our Heavenly Father just like teenagers. We hear Him speak, but we're not listening. There's so much love flowing from the heart of God described in Matthew 25, 14 in the single phrase, He entrusted them His property. Recognizing the importance of God, investing His grace in our lives, is a life-transforming moment. Even Jesus said, No longer do I call you servants, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. We are entrusted with spiritual talents and gifts so that we would carry out the mission He received from the Father, to live out the gospel of the salvation. Some years ago, actually, this is even before we have received that TV show, Undercover Boss. Have you seen that show, Undercover Boss, where the CEO of a company, he goes to his own company and he dresses up and puts on makeup and a whatever long wig, long hair wig, and, and, and goes among the workers to see how they behave and how they work and carry out the mission that he has given them, and they have no idea he's the boss, right? Well... Uh, story is, years ago, a, a former American astronaut took over as the head of a major airline. And he wanted to see uh, middle management, lower management, and how people worked. And he chose to walk through the headquarters one day before they really knew what he looked like. And as he's walking by, he comes to a certain area in a cubicle where there's a guy that's got his feet up on the desk, leaning back in his chair and just reading a magazine. The phone is ringing and the phone is ringing. And, and push, I can tell you, when that phone rings, you better pick up. And the phone is ringing. He's not picking it up. And, and the, man, the owner, he comes up to him and he says, excuse me, aren't you going to answer that phone? And the guy says, well, this is my department. He didn't care. He says, I work in maintenance. It's not my responsibility. You've met those people, right? They walk right by. Well, the one thing I like about, and I'm not going to mention their name, I go to, once in a while we go in the woods, we go uh, fishing or hiking, and all of these uh, uh, national park picnic areas. And before we leave, these people, they go and they pick up the garbage. Somebody else's garbage. I'm like, dude, it's not your forest. Yes. They want to leave it better than they found it. And they throw away the garbage from what other people have done. That's, that, that says a lot. Well, this guy says, not my responsibility. I'm from maintenance. And so the owner said, not anymore. Snapped the president. I think that we have misunderstood what it means that he is the king of kings. He's the ruler of all. He's our king. And we have responsibilities. In recognizing the importance of our responsibility, here's the first step. To recognize and see the honor, the honor of God's trust towards us. How much it means that this master entrusted his goods, his lands, his riches to his servants. What it means that Jesus says, as my father sent me, so I send you. What does it mean? 
Oh, we say, Father, thank you, Lord Jesus. We're so grateful. Well, what does it mean that you're grateful? Are they just words of recognition? Or do you live out that gratitude by being obedient to what he has entrusted you? The honor of God's trust in us. Because our Father, notice this, He loves to work with His children. Uh, you, how many of you played sports, soccer, football, whatever it is, in high school, college? You played sports. How many times have you heard, Coach, put me in, Coach? Have you seen those athletes that walk around, they follow their coach on the sideline like little puppies? Just so they put him in the game, right? You've seen that. You remember that. Put me in, coach. Here's Jesus putting you in. He's not bypassing you. He's not saying you're not tall enough. You're not good looking enough. You're not talented enough. You sit down and wait for me to come back. No, he goes, I give you these talents, these gifts, these spiritual skills. He works together with us because he loves us. He involves us in His work of redemption. He involves us in the work of maturing people's lives. But most of us have no idea what that means, what that honor really is. We keep thinking about streets of gold and pearly gates. But we are not aware that the kingdom is alive and well and you have responsibilities now. Look at this, man. Genesis chapter 28, 17. How can I not talk to my friend and tell him what I'm about to do? Understand the heart that honors his disciples by giving them the gifts. The Lord has given you certain gifts in your life with a specific purpose. These gifts have been tailored to who you are. And these gifts have a miraculous, mysterious way of exploding in satisfaction. As you use them for somebody else, they actually return and they feed your own soul, giving Him glory for the outcome of what He has already begun to do through you. How can I not tell my friend? Talking about Abraham, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the world will be blessed in him. He's my friend. i got to talk to Abraham. I'm about to just wipe a nation off the face of the earth, a city, two cities. i got to talk to Abraham. That's the same attitude that God has towards you when he gives you the gifts in and through the Holy Spirit. For the benefit of the church, which actually will feed your own heart. Why is Abraham special? Because he says, I have chosen him. Before the disciples ever chose to follow Jesus, Jesus says, I've chosen you. And through them, we understand that is a continuous love of choosing you. He has chosen you. Worthless sinful, dead in your sins and trespasses. He breathed life into you and me. We made us sin, uh, holy before Him through the blood of Christ. I've chosen you. I've chosen Him that, I'm, that He may command His children. He has a responsibility of this legacy of His faith in Yahweh. He'll command His children and His household after Him to keep the way of the Lord. How? By doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what He has promised him. 
I want to give you what I've promised you. But to do that, you must be obedient and use the talents I've given you. I've chosen you. He loves you. Every gift is given you. It's specifically meant in love for you. He invites Abraham to his council. He plans out his future before he's ever born. He declares his love for him by saying, I've chosen you. And then he commits himself again to Abraham. What I've promised you, I'm going to do it. Whether you can do it or not, or uphold your side, I commit myself to this covenant. It's God the Father committing himself to your life that you would use the gifts he's given you. Look at Isaiah 6 verse 8. God the Father is asking the question, who's going to go for us? Could God have done it all by himself? Yes, he could have. One word. Everything would have been different. But he chooses to work with Abraham. He chooses to send Isaiah. I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Says Yahweh, God the Father. Who will go for us? The Son and the Holy Spirit. Who's going to go for us? Then I said, Here I am, understanding the weight of the importance, the invitation, the honor of the trust of being sent. Isaiah says, send me. It's not that God could not have accomplished it with one word. He created the universe with and through the word. He ordains angels to slaughter myriads of enemies with one word. He's able to part the sea. He's able to still the sun in its place. And yet, God chooses. He comes down to His loved ones. The Lord Jesus spends the time in a boat to hear complaints and questions. He's patient to teach them. To be fisher of men. Look at Matthew 4.19. And he said to them, follow me. I will make you. Fear not. I'm going to make a fisher of men. We go right back to the full purpose of our salvation. Is to bring glory to him by making disciples. And we have failed miserably, have we not? He invites you to follow him, to be taught, to fish for the hearts of people. Not only that, but he empowers. He invites, but he also gives the strength, John 20, 22. And when he has said this, he breathed on them. By the way, this cannot be done, no matter how many times you see it on TV, by all these charismatic preachers. That only happened once. Only Jesus can do it. Only He can give the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, do not misunderstand the following verses as the Roman Catholic Church has misunderstood it. If you forgive the sins of many, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the forgiveness of any, it is withheld. That is not the priest's job. What that means is this. I will make a fisher of men. If you go and you make disciples like you're supposed to and you lead people to Christ, guess what? Their sins are forgiven. But if you don't open your mouth, you don't preach the gospel, you don't testify of who Jesus is, what he's done in your heart, guess what? Their sins are not forgiven you because you failed to make disciples. 
He empowers us. And then ultimately he sends us. If all this is true, go therefore. As you are going, your responsibility is to make disciples. Your responsibility is not to be a worship team necessarily. Your responsibility is not even to cook in the kitchen. You got one responsibility. Make disciples. The reckoning is coming. And if you haven't been making disciples, you will have no answer before the king. What will you do then? I didn't do my homework because my dog ate, ate the homework. I didn't do my homework because my laptop crashed right as I was about to print it. I didn't do my homework because the printer broke right as I was pressing print. We have all these excuses that we've been given. None will suffice. Have you been making disciples? You may have a master's, a doctorate, a home, and a history of things on this earth that will burn and have no value. The one thing Jesus will want to know from you is, have you been making disciples? Make disciples. What do you do? Baptize them. And this actually qualifies, satisfies all the different debates. If we should baptize in the name of the Father and the Son, baptize in the name of Jesus. He says right here, Jesus said, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. End of argument. Baptize them, teaching them to be obedient of all I've taught you and commanded you. And listen, and listen, I am with you. I am sending you, but not alone. You will not be orphans. You will have me and the Holy Spirit empowering you. You got one responsibility. Make disciples. The master entrusted them with his property. What's his property? That's the kingdom. Entrusted and given the responsibility to be involved in kingdom living, kingdom expanding. That's the purpose why we're alive. Seek the kingdom first, Jesus says, and foremost. All these things will be given to you. Don't you worry about these things. You got to do one thing, seek the kingdom. What does it mean to seek the kingdom? Make disciples. Touch people's lives, where in this discipleship process begins with evangelism. Jesus is alive. Can I tell you more about him? Here's the gospel of John. I believe in God, but not just the God of whatever imagination. God, the father of Jesus. The Bible is true. Can I give you the gospel of John? Can I tell you more about Jesus? And let them reject you. Your responsibility is not in the fact that you want somebody to Christ, but that you've been a witness. It is God that brings the responsibility of the fulfillment of that fruit to blossom, and they accept Jesus. That's God's work. Your responsibility is to make disciples by evangelizing. You also make disciples by leading someone to walk closer with Christ by watching you. 
how patient you are, how loving you are, how understanding you are, how you love the word, how you love to pray and how you love to talk to God. Prayer is not a presentation. Prayer is a conversation. So if I'm not praying, that means I'm not talking to God. Therefore, I don't really know him, do I? Making disciples is every single step closer to who Jesus is. And of course, that the first responsibility is, do I know him? How am I going to teach you? How is Webb going to teach me to fly fish if he doesn't know himself? Be kind of funny if he says, okay, now go to that rock and go to that depth and, and go ahead and you do it. But he doesn't fish. And when I can't do it, he just takes his rod. He goes, whoop, there it is. Oh, he knows how to fish. I'm going to learn from him. Do you know how to be a fisher of men and women? Seeking the kingdom, living for the kingdom is not living for your retirement. Not living for the 401k whom Jesus says moths can destroy and thieves can steal and the government can take. That's not kingdom living. Do you not know that God has synchronized his historic plan for this planet to the church's obedience and faithfulness to carry out the gospel to the corners of the world. Jesus says the end will not come until this gospel will be preached to the corners of the world. When will Jesus come? Have you done your part in telling your neighbors? Being a part of a ministry that brings the gospel to all the corners of all the jungles and all the corners of all the communist countries? Turn with me to Romans 10, 13. This honor that he gives us and the trust that he gives you by giving you talents and gifts. Not just the fact that Jesus is excited to give you these gifts. He loves you when you are involved in this ministry. Well, you may ask me, wait a minute, doesn't God love everybody? Yes, he does. But look at this, Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? A couple of rhetorical questions that have the answers within the question. So they'll call upon him if they will believe in him, if they hear about him. And how are they to believe in him who have they, they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Go and make disciples, because you're preaching the gospel, verse 15. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. God looks out, the Lord Jesus, and trusts, finds pleasure. The Lord says that I do my Father's will, and, and the Father answers from heaven, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And He looks at us as His children. Can He say, if He's pleased in us, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, those that go, those that open their mouth, those that live out with a gift God has given them. Many Christians, many churches, they put on a show for themselves on Sunday morning, they never put into practice what they preach or what they hear by touching the lives of others, those that have been placed in their lives. Your family, your children, your grandchildren, 
your neighbors. You've been given a gift or many gifts because he gives to some five. We'll talk about this when the time comes. He'll give to some two, two different types of gifts that they're able to carry on and use to their ability. And they've been given to them, as we will see later, by God's grace. We've been given the faith that we have. He gave them to you to be used in full authority. And God does not judge the one that has two that didn't bring ten back. He says, good and faithful servant, in all that you've been given, you were faithful and you lived it out. You took those talents and you put them to good use. The honor of God trusting us. Let me read to you some statistics that were taken 10 years ago about the mentality of the church. 10% of church members cannot be found. They're on the roll, but they're not in the pews. They want to be a part of, but never with the family of God. 20% of church members never attend church. Think about that for a little bit. They're church members, but they don't attend church. 25% admit that they never pray. 35% admit that they do not read their Bibles. 40% admit that they never contribute to the church through their tithe or offering. 60% of the church members never give to missions. 70% never assume responsibility within the church. They want to see it done, but they don't want to help to do it. 85% never invite anyone to church. 95% has never won anyone to Christ. But 100% expect to go to heaven. The reckoning. Bottom line, there's so much more we'll dive into. So you got something to think about. This reckoning and this awakening of our own hearts is a sifting and a weighing. Do I belong to the Lord? This reckoning of giving fruit. The Bible talks about that the seed was sown and some ground gave 30, some 60, some 90, but they gave fruit. A year ago, our sons bought Pusha a lilac. She loves lilacs. Brennan came over, he dug deep, we dropped it in, and I've been watering it and watching it ever since. I see leaves, but I don't see any lilacs. And I'm wondering, is this thing alive? If the Lord is looking at your life and you say, I I belong to the Lord. And God says, yes, I want you to belong to me. But then he looks at your life. Is there fruit? Because if you're alive in Christ, fruit comes natural. No, supernatural. That's why Jesus says, abide in me. And I will abide in you. If you obey my commandments, my Father and I will live within you. And that eternal power, that eternal presence alone gives life and fruit. And you shall know that you belong to Him. So, Matthew 25, that's your homework. The reckoning is coming. 
If you belong to him and you love him and you abide in him, you've got nothing to fear. But even if you belong to him and you are what some may call a carnal Christian, you hang around that you're going to be saved as if by fire. There's a reckoning coming. We are to fear a holy God who sent his son to die so that you may truly live. It all wraps up down to see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. Herein lies the secret of abundant life, obedience to the Word, abiding in the Lord, living out the Gospel. Thus, we are touching the lives of those around us. Thanks for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone at 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at the same time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.